Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So Jesus, after he turned water into wine, and remember he took about, I mean, dozens of gallons of water and turned it into dozens of gallons of wine. I mean, excessive. After all the wine was already gone. There probably some of it left today. <laughs> and then he went down to Jerusalem and there was a, there was a man by a pool. And the, the story was that once that pool got stirred up a little bit, the first end of the pool got healed. And he had been there for 38 years, had nothing but excuses as to why he was still there. Jesus, when he saw him, said, do you want to be well? And he healed him and had him pick up his mat and walk away. And all the religious Pharisees and scribes and all the denominational authorities from the temple in Jerusalem saw him do this, and it was on a Sabbath. And so they went after him. They didn't see the healing they saw that in their view he was breaking the Sabbath. Bureaucrats. So Jesus makes his way back up to Galilee. And the word is out about him. And they know that he's coming. And so the crowds begin to flock to him. They come to him because of his miracles, because of his healings. These are what in the Gospel of John what he calls signs. Signs. They're not an end in themselves. They point beyond themselves to his identity. So we're looking now at the sixth chapter of John to a story that is preserved in all four Gospels. And it's referenced actually six times in the Gospels. And that's the story of the feeding of the multitude. Hear the word of God. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with a huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. After he did the same with fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted, and every, afterwards everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now go gather the leftovers that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people. 
who'd eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the, the prophet, the one we've been expecting. But Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king. And so he slipped away into the hills by himself. And God added his understanding to this hearing of his word. Jesus sees our need. He knows how we're made. God took on human flesh. It says in Hebrews that he was tempted in all ways, even as we are, but without sin. But if we think about the reality of flesh, our flesh, how demanding it is of us. There's something that it demands of us virtually Maybe two hours, every two hours we need. We need a drink, or we need to visit the restroom, or we need to get a breath of fresh air. We're hungry. Whatever it might be, the, the body is so very demanding of us. And Jesus knows this. He's compassionate, caring. He, he knows it himself. It's not like Jesus was just fully God. He was also fully man. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So he, he knows what this life is like. So when he's back up from Jerusalem, back in Galilee, and he sees this huge crowd coming, well, it says that he said what he said to test. But I think he was teasing. Where are we going to feed all the... How are we going to buy money to feed all these people? Where are we going to get the money? Where are we going to get the bread? Where are we going to get the food to feed all of these people? 5,000, just the men. You add to that the women and the children. And it's, it's a huge crowd. It's a crowd like Germain Arena. It's, it's that, that kind of gathering of people, a large gathering of people. And Andrew looks around and says, this would take at, at least the, the actual amount is about eight months of a person's normal salary to pay, enough, pay for the bread for all of those people. And, and so Jesus, when he asks that question, it's, he's not asking an innocent question. He's asking a question to call attention to something beyond what they see. And the reality is that we know we have need. Jesus knows we have need. The Pharisees know we all have need. The disciples know. And when he asks that question, he's asking if, in fact, we are in a place to fulfill the reality of human need. Can we do this? Are we capable of this? It's a tongue-in-cheek, twinkle-in-the-eye question that he asks of the disciples. And they come to that place where they realize it's beyond them. And then Andrew, Andrew steps up with a little boy. A little boy has got his, you know, his lunch pail. And um, he opens the lunch pail. He's got some five pieces of bread and a couple fish in there. Probably little sardines or something like that. 
And, and what is Andrew thinking? It's, it's like, imagine Germain Arena full of people. And we're going to feed them all. And, and Andrew steps up and says, well, here's, here's this. It's a start. <laughs> Maybe we can do something with, with this. He wasn't acting in faith. Andrew wasn't. He was acting in desperation. Isn't that how it feels for us so often? When we see the realities around us, when we see the, the harsh realities, the huge realities of human need, we just see what do we have, what can we provide? What resources do we have to even to begin to address this? And as we all know, there are so many things in life that even if we have all the money in the world, it doesn't cover it. It doesn't take care of it. Even if we have the best of intentions, we can't do much about it. But Jesus takes what is given. And I read these biblical theologians all the time, and it drives me crazy when they take something like this wonderful story and try to dismember the story. So many theologians out there are saying, really the miracle of the feeding of the multitude is that when that little boy shared his lunch, oh, everyone was so moved and they started pulling out their own, their own provisions and started sharing with one another. Some miracle that would be. Well, Jesus touched the bread and the fish he broke the bread, tore the fish, and began distributing. And this was a miracle in which he addressed the reality of human need. Because he knows how we're made. He knows that if all those people sat down on that grassy knoll and, and he started preaching to them, that they wouldn't be able to hear him over the growling of their own stomachs. I had a parishioner in Texas who told me, because I start, when I started preaching, I was preaching 30 and 40 minutes. And after church one Sunday, I'd done probably a 35-minute sermon, and he said, Preacher, the mind can, can absorb only what the seat can withstand. <laughs> Cut it back a little bit. <laughs> the reality of our, our flesh is that which enables us to hear. We've got to get all that stuff out of the way. Jesus knows that if they're going to hear the word, then he has to provide for their need. And he provides for their needs so that they can hear the word and have a deeper sense of what they really need in life. So with that need met, Jesus then preaches to the crowd. And after his preaching is done, they want to make him king. They want to make him the one who's in charge of all things. They want to make him the king of the, of the, of the people. And rather than taking advantage of this huge opportunity to become a, a first century state of Israel king. He runs. He hides. He's, 
he goes up to the mountains to be by himself. One of my mentors in ministry, Earl Palmer, talks about this in relationship to the brothers Karamazov. And in that novel, we have two brothers. Ivan, who is an arch-atheist, and Alyosha, who is a very firm believer. And the two brothers are in a conversation, actually a lunchtime argument. And Ivan believes that, that nothing that Jesus did has any earthly relevance to it. Any real, real application to life. And he said he had a dream. And in this dream, Jesus is brought before the Spanish Inquisition. And the Inquisitor tells him, your big mistake was that you didn't allow them to make you king. That was your big mistake. To which the response of Dostoevsky is, no, no, you have a misconception of humanity. You wanted to make, they wanted you to make them happy. But you wanted to make them free. They wanted you to make them happy. But you wanted to make them free. And as we think about that, yes, we can have, we can have a God who simply gives us everything. We can have a God who simply provides everything without requiring anything of us. We can have a God who, in his care for us, disables the gifts that he has given to us by not requiring that we in any way participate in this life. Sounds like politics. I'm trying to avoid stumbling off into that. But the reality is, what they faced is an age-old problem. They wanted him to become king because they gave, he gave them bread. And when he made his way across the lake, they chased him over there. The next morning he said, you're only here because I gave you that bread. You don't get it. And what they missed was that, that that little boy and that that disciple, what they gave was just a little bit in the face of that huge need. They stepped forward with just that, that tiny bit that came out of a little boy's lunch pail. And Jesus acknowledges and honors that little faith. We come to him with a mustard seed of faith. We come to him and trusting him with just a little bit of just a little bit of faith. So one week after our dear Penny had her accident. Believing that Bill and Eric would be there early in the morning, I was there at about 6.30 on Saturday morning, a week later. 
Prior to their arrival, I'd gone in and seen Penny. I prayed with her. Can't look at you. I prayed with her. And I have to say, what I saw looked so very grim. I've seen brain death many times in my ministry. And I prayed with her and the doctors said to pray, the nurses said to pray. When we face such circumstances as that, what can we do at such times as that? We have only little faith. And when our faith is eclipsed by the realities of human need and the realities of life, what can we do? Our hope begins to fade. Our faith is eclipsed, our hope fades, and we're left feeling so alone and so empty and so helpless, so worthless. But we brought our little faith We brought our little lunch pails of faith. And the Lord took our little prayers and multiplied them. And she's here with us. Got a really cool haircut, too. (laughs) That's what we did. We just brought a little bit of faith. We brought a lunch pail of faith. And the Lord took what paltry offerings we have to give and he multiplies them out and he does his work according to his will and every now and then the finger of God is left for us to see I like to think of God as being a little clumsy at such times intentionally clumsy where we see some cause and effect. We see him working and acting. We see his fingerprint. We see the quick withdrawal of his hand. And we are given more faith for the next time, for the next opportunity, for the next time we feel overwhelmed when when we think it's up to us to feed the multitude. Or, or find the faith to bring healing to a brother or sister. Make no mistake, dear friends, brothers and sisters, what Jesus did on the hillside was a miracle. Don't read those liberal theologians. Don't bother. Don't read those who will try to dismantle all of the wonder of of our faith. Instead, take it as it comes to us. And just know that we don't have to have the faith of a Mother Teresa. All we need is the faith that you have, that I have, that comes and goes, that's like a flickering flame, that is so tiny sometimes and sometimes we can't even find it. We don't even know that it's there. We bring that. And the Lord does his multiplication and does his will. And he feeds us 
and he heals us and he gives us great joy. Will you bow with me in prayer? So Lord, we acknowledge that we have only a little bit but we bring what we have and we ask that you would take in take what we give and what we bring into your hands and that you would do your miraculous work in you we put our trust and our faith and we pray O Lord in the name of your son Amen If you enjoyed today's podcast there are a few things you can do be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.